Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to all of our campuses, McKinney, Prosper, Frisco West, all of you online, all across the universe. We're glad you're with us. Frisco East, hey, look at everybody. Man, look around. You're looking good. Turn to somebody and tell them, you know what? Today, especially, you're looking good, would you? Yeah. Love it. Love it. You, those of you online, I can see you. You look great. You look great. 1987, started ministry. I was a youth pastor, and I was a youth pastor for 13 years. And those 13 years were some of the most exciting, challenging, and incredible years of my life. And, and I don't say that lightly. I... I love the next generation. The, the statistic has been the same for a long, long time. People who make a decision for Jesus to follow him, 80% do so before the age of 18. So that's why for me, the, the next generation is so very important. And, and so across all of our campuses, we have, I'm going to just say it, we have the best children's and student ministries on the planet. And I don't say that lightly. I really do believe that. I mean, they are awesome. The, the, the staff, the volunteers. So across all of our campuses in the lobbies, there's some Be a Hero um, uh, kiosks in the lobby. And maybe you're here today, whatever campus, or maybe you're online and you're, you're in the area, and you would love to maybe volunteer in children's ministry or student ministry. I want to encourage you. That seems overwhelming, maybe. Um, like, oh, students, they, they're so cool, and I'm so uh, not cool. Um, listen, how many understand that kids, no matter what age, if they know you love them, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if you wear Skechers, right? <laughs> doesn't matter if you wear Hush Puppies. And if you wear Skechers, Hush Puppies, it's totally cool. But not for them. Um, listen, I want to encourage you. If, if, if you're not serving anywhere, maybe you pray, at least pray, and go get some information about how you could maybe serve in children's ministry from birth until fifth grade or student ministry from sixth grade to, to uh, senior. Uh, maybe you're a parent and you drop them off and you're thinking, man, I would love to be involved, but man, I don't want to you know, encroach on my kids. Man, you don't have to be in their same group. If you're a parent, you could serve in another group, in another grade. We have small groups and all kinds of things to, to get involved in, as well as children's ministry. So uh, that's a little plug there, and I, I took a little long, but, but I, I, I just encourage you, if you are not serving anywhere, and, and maybe you would pray about that, I think you would love it, and, I, and you'd make a difference. You'd make a difference in the next generation. Um, in 2012, this very weekend, we opened up the McKinney Campus. McKinney Campus, can we give them a hand, man? We love you guys over there. We bought, a Albertsons, we bought an Albertsons grocery store on, on 75 and 380 in McKinney and renovated that. And in, this weekend in 2012, we opened the doors 11 years ago. And you know what? I've never regretted that. I, re, I was reserved about doing something like that, about video church, about you know, multi-site strategy. It took me a while to, to catch on to really kind of get that, a piece in my heart about it. But man, I've never looked back and regretted that. A year later... We bought another Albertsons in West Frisco. We have a partnership with Albertsons 
that are going under. <laughs> I wish there would have been one in Prosper and Salina, you know. But, um, uh, and I love Albertson, so guys, I'm not, that's no, that was no jab. That was like, we love you. And um, we bought one in 2013, opened the doors in 2014, and I have never regretted starting that campus. It has been an awesome journey with both of those. And then in 2019, September of that year, we started the Prosper Campus. Can we give them a shout out to Prosper 2019? Um, started in the high school and man, what a journey it's been. A few months later, COVID started. That was great. We all loved that. Um, but in, right before COVID started, we bought 18 acres of land. And a few years after that, just a, about a year and a half ago, we started construction. And in a couple of weeks, we have our grand opening, September 10th at the Prosper Campus. Open. We love it. And I'm excited about that campus. And, and I have two asks of you. Number one, um, this is the last uh, weekend of the of the quarter, and we always kind of say, hey, we have goals each quarter, and I, I want to encourage you in two ways. Number one, if you love hope and you love our mission, um, I would encourage you to start giving somewhere. Start giving at whatever level, and if you're not able to, that's totally fine. We totally get that there are circumstances and seasons of life that are harder, but if you love hope and our mission and you're not giving anywhere uh, or at all, I would love for you to start. Number two, Prosper Campus, we would, I, here's my goal, and I know this is big, but we have a lot of people in our churches across all of our campuses. My goal from now until the end of the year is to raise between two and three million extra over and above our regular giving for, for our campuses. So guys, I'm just going to encourage you, if you're already given to hope and you've not yet jumped on the Prosper uh, campaign, the Prosper journey, I would love for you to do that. Join us, and by the end of the year, I would love to uh, raise about seven or eight million. So we're about five right now, a little less than five. And if I could get two or three million more by the end of the year, that would give us a, a great, great uh, uh, head start on the Prosper building being completely debt-free. Not quite if we raise that. And, and if some of you are here today and you win the lottery in the next month or two, you better come see me. Okay? I won't tell anybody. I won't tell anybody, but it'll be between me, you, and God, and our business office, and um, we'd, love, we'd love to see you. All right, enough of all that. Um, uh, uh, we're in our last weekend of the series, The Love We Give, and I have, I, 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 I'm not, this is not a pun, but I've loved this series, The Love We Give, and, and over the last few weeks, here's what we've, we've talked about. We've talked about God's love for us, and, and listen, I, I don't really know that you can ex extend God's love if you haven't experienced God's love. So that week was so important, it's so key. So for us to love this way, and I'm not saying you don't love people if you don't know Jesus, I'm not saying that, but to really understand the heartbeat of God for people, not just your heartbeat for people, but God's heartbeat for people, Unless you've experienced his love and, and, and the, the, the undeserved love. I mean, we talked about wasted love and the, the prodigal son and he wasted his father's love. He wasted his own life and time. But then he, when he came back and came to his senses, he, he got the undeserved love. And until you can experience that undeserved love, it's really hard to extend God's undeserved love to others. Week two, we talked about our love 
for each other. And, and one thing that I want to repeat, and there's, there's a few points that we made, but one thing I want to repeat is that Jesus said that the world will know that we are truly his disciples because we have love for one another. And I really firmly believe this. Until we can learn to love one another, until we can learn to love one another, listen, no matter the skin color, no matter the political persuasion, no matter what a motorcycle you ride, it doesn't matter. We love one another. And if you drive a Ford, we are learning to love you. Okay? Uh, so in that week, we talked about lo- uh, look for lost family members. We talked about uh, thinking of ourselves less. We, thought, we talked about less offense and more compassion. And we talked about more celebration, less criticism. And that, that just, that's just understanding our love for each other. We're all messed up. We're all dysfunctional in some way. We've all been rebellious or we've all done our own thing. And some of us maybe have not been so rebellious, but we've been self-righteous. And that's just as bad. Thinking that you're good enough, that's just as bad as being rebellious. That's just like the religious leaders. And I want to encourage you that until we get this right in this room and in all of our campuses, until the body of Christ, Big C Church across the whole world, until we get this right, the world looks at us and laughs. And, and I'm just, I, I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm just trying to encourage us that it really does matter that we love one another. Okay, today, today, we're going to talk about our love for the world. Now, let me start with um, three types of people in the world. And I really do believe there are only three types of people. Those three are, number one, God's family, okay, those, those who are in God's family. And this goes back to Old Testament covenant relationship, uh, Israel um, with God, Abraham's covenant, Moses and the law, the, the people of God. And then it expanded when Jesus came on the scene in the first century and invited and grafted in Gentiles. It wasn't just Jews. It wasn't just God's chosen people, the Israelites. It was now everybody who would accept what Jesus has done, accept God's free gift of salvation to what Jesus did on the cross. That's God's family. And then there are, as we learned a couple weeks ago, there's lost, misplaced, and rebellious family members. And that's some of us right now, sitting in one of our campuses or online or right here. You, you are right now a little rebellious. You've wandered away. Doesn't mean you don't love the Lord. Doesn't mean you're going to hell. It just means that you kind of wandered. You've been misplaced. Or maybe you have been a little rebellious. And then, number three, there's those not yet a part of God's family. Those three people exist on the planet. God's family, people in God's family that are screwed up. Okay, sorry I said that word, but messed up. (laughs) And then those not yet a part of God's family. Those three people. And here's what what I think in this series and, and in 24 years of pastoring this church, what God has been trying to say to me, and I believe say, to us is just a simple way for me to look at things. Visual, I'm a visual learner, okay? Don't give me a set of instructions and expect me to make something. And I, and I don't mean that, that if you're that way, I have people in my life that are that way, I, I, mean, I have to see it, I have to YouTube it, okay? If I'm working on my motorcycle, I, I put on new pipes on, on a motorcycle this week and, and I had to YouTube, okay? I was like, ugh, 
man, but I did. I didn't call anybody, I didn't call my friends. I did it myself and, you know, yeah, yeah. So I'm a visual learner. That's why I like to give you, you know, like pictures or diagrams or charts or whatever because it really, really does help me. So let me, let me put it to you this way. This is what I believe God's trying to say to us. Here it is. God's family, that's those of us who accepted what Jesus has done, we are called to love those who are lost in our family and those not yet in the family. Bottom line, that is, okay, everybody look at me. That's our purpose. Amen. Your purpose is not Bank of America, Frisco ISD, your own company, the company that you work for. Your purpose, my purpose in life as God's family is to love those who have wandered, been misplaced, or rebelled, or to love not yet the family out there. Does that make sense? That's our job. That's our purpose. That's my purpose for my life. If you want to ask me for a purpose statement, this is it. I, want to, I don't want to be mean to my own family. You know, does it make sense? I have family. I love my kids. I have four kids and two grandkids. I love them. I'm not looking for ways to be mad at them. And, and as the people of God, again, if, if we don't learn to love one another, even in our mess, even in our rebellion, even in, that doesn't mean we have to agree. It doesn't mean we don't hold people accountable. It doesn't mean that we don't have tough conversations and hard conversations. I know it's messy, but until we learn to love and answer Jesus' prayer that we would be one, man, how are we going to love those not yet in the family if we can't even love each other? So picture it that my purpose and your purpose as God's family is to love lost family and not yet family. Bottom line. John 3.16, you know this verse, here it is. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. Now picture the first thing that we see here is that God loves the world, not just Israel. That God loves the world, Rome, the then known empire of, on the face of the earth, in, in that area at least, he loves the world. I think that's huge. If you're a Republican, you got to know that God loves Democrats. And if you're a Democrat, you got to know that God loves Republicans. And if you live in China or Russia or Iran or South America, wherever you live, God loves you. God's love doesn't stop at the U.S. border. Does that make sense? So, so God, so that's the first thing that we see, that God loves the world. That means everybody. And you may not like them, but that's why I'm here, to challenge you. That, that God's called us not only to like them, to love them. God loves the world. That he gave his only one, one and only son. So that everyone, that's not an exclusive, that is all-inclusive. Everyone, anyone who would dare believe, anyone who would accept what God has done, through his son, would not perish, how to, how to, yeah, and him would not perish, but have eternal life. Now, let me ask you a question. If God loves the people of this world, how many would agree that this, just with this one scripture, I can go to Romans 5 eight. God demonstrated his love for us even while we were yet sinners. He still gave his life. Okay, so, so God, how many would agree God loves the world? Not just us, not just his family. Okay, so if God loves the world, shouldn't we? That was a rhetorical question. 
but I'm glad you answered with a resounding, yeah, well, because it's true. We all know this, most of us, that we know God loves the world. You've seen it at football games in the 70s and 80s, the big sign, John 3.16. In the end zone, you, you, we, we know that God loves the world, but we don't like them. And there's reasons. We, we want to stand for righteousness. We want to stand for the word. We want to, and of course we do. But can I just help you understand that sometimes we put the cart before the horse. We're trying to disciple them when they've not yet truly believed. We're, we're trying to tell the world how to live when we ourselves have a hard time living what we believe. I know, I know. It'll get better, okay? It, it will get better. Let me ask you a question. In the world right now, let me ask it. Let me put it on screen. Which best describes the Christian public witness in America today? Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, or the acts of the flesh, hatred, discord, fits of rage, selfish ambition, or self-ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. So, so in other words, as the church, not hope, but as the big C church, we are included in that, which one are we demonstrating to the world right now? I've already seen it. And don't be mad at me for saying this, but I've already seen it online about people being angry about something that's not even yet come. Mandates for whatever. People are already up in arms and, uh, and, and angry and like, rah, 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 rah. And I'm just telling you, if you know I love you and you know I love you, I'm just telling you what the world, and this is an opinion, but what the world is predominantly seeing, the not yet family, what they are seeing from the church is more of this and less of this. And an unbelieving world is like, what? Well, I don't need that. I already got this. How many still love me? Okay, good, good. Here's, here's what Jesus said before he left. Here's what Jesus said. And, and before I get there, you, you got a puzzle piece that I gave you when you came in. Would you grab that? Grab the puzzle piece. If you didn't get one, make sure you get one before you leave. So just like this. It's, 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 it's what I want you to keep. This, this alarming um, view that the world has of the church, and I can't control every church, right? I, I can't, but I, I can speak into our lives. And what, what the world sees from the church, I would, I would dare say, is mostly the, the acts of the flesh. In other words, we want control. We want power. We have, listen, fall, a lot of us have fallen into the trap of the systems of this world, that, that the system of this world is the answer to the America's problems. There is only one answer to America's problems, and his name is Jesus. So, so here's, what I, here's what I know or believe, is that you and I, I want you to keep this, piece, this puzzle, you and I are a piece of the puzzle 
that God wants to use to tell the world that he loves them. Why he chose us, I'll never know. As messed up as I am, as you are, as as inconsistent, as hypocritical as I am and you are, why would he use us? That's like, that's not a good look. Right? I mean, use something else. Like a, like a thing in the sky. A sign, a banner in the sky that you make that, that everybody would know. Like, oh, wow, God really does love me. But he chose to use us, and we are a piece, look at me, we are a piece of the puzzle that God wants to use to let the world know that he loves them. Here's what Jesus said before he left. Matthew 28, 19, you know it. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey, these new disciples, to obey all the commands that I've given you. Listen, it's not that, okay, many times I get accused of being liberal. It's weird to me. I get accused of being like, you're you're soft on sin. No, I promise you, I'm not soft on sin. But sometimes we get the cart before the horse. Sometimes we're, we, we want to tell the whole world how to live again, and we have ourselves a problem living it. But, but nonetheless, it doesn't mean that we don't teach people to obey God's commands. But we got to win them first. Does that make sense? We can't? Anyway, okay. So, and, I, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, so before Jesus would, would leave, the predominant message that he would give his disciples is that, hey, I want you to go and I want you to make disciples. I want you to, to tell people about me. Acts 1.8, here's what he said. You, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, where they were, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's us. So whatever theological perspective you come from, maybe you come from a Catholic background. Maybe you come from an Episcopal or or Methodist or Baptist background. Maybe you come from a charismatic Pentecostal background. Maybe you come from a Calvinist background, an Arminius background. Maybe you come from a a heathen background. (laughs) Just almost no God. Whatever your theological perspective I just want to make it clear, and I think not only do I want to make it clear, I think Scripture makes it clear that, that this is the case. Ready? First of all, oops, sorry, God loves the world. Second thing is that Jesus came to save the world. And third, the Holy Spirit empowers us to love and reach the world. That's clear. In Scripture, as I read, New Testament especially, Matthew to Revelation, this is clear. God loves the world. He sent Jesus to save the world of their sins. And then he empowers, the Holy Spirit empowers us to reach the world. Go and make disciples. Go tell, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. That's our job. We are a piece of the puzzle. And if you ever put to put a puzzle piece, you ever put a puzzle together? So my family during Christmas, especially Thanksgiving, Christmas, they love, they'll get a new puzzle and they'll put it. I said my family because I don't enjoy that. 
Okay, I don't. It's, it's too, they're, they're too little. These things are too little. So like, give me the big one, the big puzzle piece like this. I can do that. But, but you, ever, you ever had an old puzzle and you brought it out and you put it almost together and there's a piece missing? Or there's like five pieces missing. You did all that work and, and there are pieces of the puzzle missing. And it's infuriating. When we choose to live selfishly and when we fall into the trap that our opinion matters more than our influence, we are a piece of the puzzle that has been lost. And God desperately wants to find that piece of puzzle so that it fits into the beautiful family that he's creating. And he uses you and me because you, listen, see, you have family members that I don't have any contact with. You have neighbors that I don't have contact with. You have coworkers or friends at school that I don't have. So I, you can say, well, John, that's your job. No, it's our job. Amen. We're all to make disciples. We're all to be his witnesses, not just John. Does that make sense? And so you're a piece of the puzzle for your little world, for where you live, for where you work, for where you go to school, for where you do your thing. You're a piece of the puzzle there. And when you choose to withdraw and you choose the act, and we, let me say we, we choose the acts of the flesh, hatred and discord and I'm, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that, we're not, when, you, when we do that, guess what? Piece of the puzzle's lost. And, and God's, God just said, hey, guys, I want to use you. In fact, you're the only, you're, there is no plan B. It's, we're plan A. Second Corinthians chapter 5, listen to this verse. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this, listen, this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ so, so God was in Christ. The love of God for the world was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. It goes further on and even more powerfully states that we are Christ's ambassadors. We are his representatives. Just like U.S. has ambassadors to almost every country in the world. We are Jesus is, we are God's ambassadors to this world. God is making his appeal through us. Why he chose us, again, great question, I don't know, but he chose us. In my mess and in my story and in my rebellion and in my hypocrisy, in my mistakes, in my sin, he has chosen to make his appeal through us. And we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. 1 Peter chapter 3 says it like this. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do it in a gentle and respectful way. How many wish that wasn't in there? <laughs> hey, let me help you. Let me help you. You're an idiot. You need to repent. Okay, let me just tell you, that's not the way to do it. Does it make sense? 
We do it in a gentle and respectful way. Now, I know you know this, but I'm going to repeat it anyway. Here's our mission here at Hope. Okay? Here's our mission. Inviting everyone to follow Jesus. Helping them move to the center of God's purpose for their life. This is, the, this is us saying, go and make disciples. Okay? This is, this is the way we say it. Go, inviting everyone to follow Jesus. Make disciples, helping them move to the center of God's purpose for their lives. This is why we exist for 24 years. If there's any, we've done many things wrong. I've done many things wrong. I've said things, 10 years ago, I've said things that I look back and I go, I don't agree with that. But one thing I believe as a church, and I want to thank you that are really a part of this, I want to thank you for, for this, that we have stayed on mission for 24 years. That this, we've said it different ways over the years, but this is our mission. Because we want to invite everyone to love Jesus, to follow Jesus, to find Jesus. And then we're going to help them move to the center of God's purpose for their lives. We're not going to clean them up before they come to Jesus. We're going to bring them to Jesus and he can do the cleaning. The Holy Spirit can do the cleaning. Does that make sense? Because that's what he did in my life. So I have two challenges for us today. Two challenges for us. When it, when it comes to you and me, being the ambassadors of Jesus. We're chosen to be his appeal to this world. And when we don't love one another, it's like a piece of the puzzle missing. It's like pieces of the puzzle missing. When we get sidetracked by our opinions and our self-preservation, it's pieces of the puzzle One at a time, you and I have a piece of the puzzle to play, to, to, to fit in God's plan. And I'm just asking you for two things. With people far from God, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start conversations and make invitations. Start conversation. Let me just tell you what Jesus did. When he was accused of eating with notorious sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, drunks, when Jesus was accused, and rightfully so, because he did it, when the, when the religious leaders were like, man, I don't, I don't understand what in the world, this is a bad look for him, this is not the way we do things, Jesus then tells the stories of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. This is how Jesus did it. He started conversations around the meal, around the, the table. So for people far from God in your life, I'm going to ask you to start conversations. Ask someone that's far from God, that doesn't believe in God yet, not yet a family member, ask them to lunch, breakfast, dinner, whatever. Start conversations. And, and, and just start with your story. This is what Jesus has done for me. And you can not even start there. 
You can just start, hey, tell me your story. That's even better. Hey, tell me your story from birth until now. I love that line. Every, almost every lunch I have, I'll start with, and I don't, if I don't know them, I will start with that. Hey, tell me your story from birth until here. Love it. Love it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus build, built a bridge with notorious sinners by starting conversations. Hey, hey, uh, you guys want to wanna go to lunch? Yeah, okay. Change their life. Matthew, tax-collecting heathen. He wasn't even a heathen. He was a Jew, but he acted like a heathen. Jesus said, hey, let's go to lunch. And then he said, come follow me. He gave him an invitation. Some of the disciples of John the Baptist, they were saying, hey, hey, where are you living? Where? He said, come and, come and see. He made an invitation. Maybe you could lead someone to the Lord right there at the lunch table. He said, oh, no, John. No, I got to bring him to church for that. No, not really. You know what I'm saying? You can lead him to the Lord right there in the lunch. Hey, this is what Jesus did in my life. And all you got to do is just accept that free gift that he brings. He's paid the price for our sins. And all we got to do is accept that. Do you believe that? Yeah, I do. Okay, well, let me pray for you. Or you can just say, hey, would you come to, would you come to service? I, I, our church, listen, our pastor is awesome. Holy cow. <laughs> I want you to come to our church. I want you to just, I want you to, I, you know, I'm kidding, sort of. Invite him to church. Invite him to your small group. Invite him on a motorcycle ride. Invite him on a bike ride. Make invitations. Start conversations, make invitations. Start conversations, make invitations. So, this piece of the puzzle. I have three names written on this piece. I've already done it with a ballpoint pen. Super easy. And there's a ballpoint pen in the seat pocket in front of you or behind you if you're on the front rows. I'm not asking you to write your whole family down necessarily. But if there are people in your life far from God that God has called, listen, everybody look at me. God's called you to love. You're a piece of the puzzle in their life. I want you to just, in the next few minutes, I want you to just write their names or their initials. Just, just say, God, who in my life is far from God? And if you can't think of anyone, you need to get out more. You know what I'm saying? There's some neighbors around you, some friends at school, there's some coworkers perhaps, but I want you to think of a few names I want you to put them on the piece, the puzzle piece. And I want you to keep this puzzle piece somewhere. I have a bunch of, I've, I've given you, over the years, I've given you many, many things to write things down on. I've given you coffee cups. I've given you dominoes. I've given you brick. That was a bad idea, but I gave everybody a brick one time. That was terrible. That's <laughs> not good. I've given you tree rings. Uh, I've given you pieces of paper and stickers and keys. I've given you all sorts of things to write initials or names on over the years. 
Guys, in the next year and a half, elections are coming. COVID talk is on the rise a little bit with a particular strand. Guys, can we settle down and remember why it is that we exist as God's family? There's some lost family members that we need to love, and there's some not yet family members that we need to love. Start conversations, make invitations. Start conversations, make invitations. Would you pray with me? Lord, um, over the next few minutes as we think of names and maybe even while I'm praying, we can just write some things down, but I've got three right here that I've already invited two of them to service. And I'm just going to keep praying that, that I would have the courage and the boldness to start and keep having those conversations, building bridges, not as a project, but because I truly love them. The way that, well, hopefully the way you love them. God, I, I pray that we would choose to be a piece of the puzzle, not missing pieces. I, I pray that we would choose to protect our influence in the lives of, of those not yet in the family over our opinions and self-preservation. God, may we, in and of our own selves, pursue your will like never before. Pursue obedience like never before. But in so doing, we don't become like the religious leaders that are so self-righteous. They can't even find any room in their hearts to love those who are lost in their own family, much less the not yet family. As we're pursuing holiness, as we're pursuing your perfect will for our lives, let us not forget the purpose of our lives. And that is to seek and to save those who are lost. To be ambassadors for you. So may your kingdom come in my life and in our lives. May you empower us to be a witness in a gentle and respectful way. And may the, the light that Jesus called us to be, the light of the world, the salt of the earth, may that really come into play in our lives as we put ourselves back on the table to be put into the masterpiece piece that you're, you're creating for the people of this world. You love them. And if you love them, we love them. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thanks for listening to Hope's Weekend Message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.